Every year, millions of Muslims descend into Makkah in Saudi Arabia to perform the Islamic pilgrimage of Hajj. But this year, the COVID-19 pandemic that has changed the way people across the globe go about their lives has impacted Hajj too. This year, only a few thousand Muslims are performing this once-in-a-lifetime ritual. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines, and I'm your host, Sohail Akram. This week, we're looking at Hajj during the coronavirus pandemic and how it's going to be different. Prophet Muhammad established the first official Hajj in 628 AD. But the tradition of Hajj dates back to 2000 BC, when Prophet Ibrahim, following the orders of God, first built a monument called Kaaba, which in its modern form we see as a black cube-shaped building in the holy city of Makkah. Muslims have always gathered in Makkah to fulfill one of the five pillars of Islam. These five pillars are the core rituals of Islam. They are declaration of faith in God, the five daily prayers, fasting, giving charity, and the pilgrimage to Makkah. Now in 2020, around 1400 years later, the Hajj is very different. As COVID-19 began to spread across the world and was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization on March the 11th, Muslims around the world were anxiously waiting to hear over whether this year's Hajj would go ahead or not. Muhammad Mushfiquddin, a lead guide and a scholar for a UK Hajj and Umrah operator, recalls that time. Around February time, people still weren't sure about the pandemic. It was, it was, it was actually quite a big disappointment. I think people just sort of thought, thought, yeah, there'll be restrictions or there may be changes, but nobody expected that to be cancelled, really. So that was a bit of a shock. Some people take it really badly in the sense that Hajj is an invitation to visit Allah's house. Um, and people see it that, you know, that they've been uninvited or whatever. And I, I said, no, no, it's not really like that. It's, it's, just, it's a pandemic and there's nothing anybody can do. As coronavirus numbers began to rise, Saudi Arabia closed the holy mosque in Makkah on March the 19th. It was announced at the end of March that Muslims should put their Hajj plans on hold. In June, Saudi Arabia announced that this year's Hajj would be very limited. Only pilgrims who are already living in Saudi Arabia would be able to attend and among them, only those who were granted permits. I registered on 7th of July. And then uh, I, I kept forgetting to register my husband because I didn't take it seriously. And then on 15th of July, uh, somebody called me from Hajj and she said that, Assalamualaikum Farida, congratulations, you are accepted for Hajj. This is Farida bint Bhakti Yahra an Indonesian who works in Saudi Arabia. Farida says she was planning to leave the kingdom for good when she heard that she's among the selected few permitted to perform this year's Hajj. It's so many feelings in my mind, you know, you know because we were about to leave Saudi for good and then I am accepted to, to do Hajj. And then, Miss Amal, yes, uh, I will go, inshallah. Uh, may I know how much is it? She said, mm, it is free. Then again, I, I, I'm kind of like, no, it's not free. <laughs> this is scam, right? I said like that. <laughs> Actually, my, my older sister wanted to go to Haji. They already planned. They already learned. They already studied about Hajj. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, there is no Hajj for, for them now in Indonesia. 
and beyond my Egypt, beyond everybody's in my family imagination that I will go this year. <laughs> They're so happy. <laughs> my father keeps crying. So many times I talk with my husband. Uh, after I, I after my status become accepted and I have the permit, the Hajj permit. Uh, are you okay if I go and you take care of the kids? Yeah, it's okay. It's only for eight days and it is for, inshallah, for our our goodness, because it's price it's priceless to have this experience. Uh, I want to send my gratitude to Ministry of Hajj and Umrah. Saudi Arabia because they already arranged everything very, very well organized. And then Ministry of Health that came to my house, then came to all the pilgrims' house door to door to do the swab test, PCR tests. I'm so, so happy the Hajj this year is happening now. But while it's a great spiritual joy for Farida and others who are performing this year's Hajj, for many others outside the country, it has been challenging. Even for those inside Saudi Arabia who have witnessed the Hajj happening every year, there is a tinge of sadness. So currently I'm in Mecca and the overall mood here is a bit sad because people are in Mecca are used this time of the year for everything to be very crowded. We have pilgrims coming from all over the world, but this year it's quite empty. You walk down the streets, it's it's really quite empty and the buildings still have the signs for Hajj still hanging because no one here to rent them. And there, there's still police officers like always during Hajj, but it's, it's not life as always. Usually the malls are crowded when you head uh, towards the Holy Mosque and near that area central of Mecca, it's very, very crowded. Now it's quite empty. That was Bilkis Basalom, a social media journalist at The National. She grew up in Makkah and has been watching the world's Muslims congregate in her hometown, Islam's holiest city, all her life. As a child, this involved seeing the people of Makkah hosting those who came to the city for the pilgrimage before the hotels and camps had been built to accommodate the millions of visitors. As a young child, Hajj for me meant sweets from all around the world, whether they're coming from India, Iran, uh, Syria, anywhere they come from, they usually bring sweets for those who are hosting them. So, so Hajj for me was really a festival of food from all around the world. And also another story I remember vividly, I was visiting my aunt and she didn't have Hajj in her building, but she had, uh, we had pilgrims staying in the house opposite for her. And I was, I think, seven or eight. And me and my cousins, like we were making this funny moves and like giving them a show. And they saw us from uh, from the window or the balcony. It was a balcony. And suddenly they came, they came out of the building heading towards our building. And we actually got scared. Maybe they're here to complain to our parents or like say what these disrespectful girls. But they were very happy to see us. And they were from Morocco. And they suddenly they knock on our door and they get, they gave my aunt a dress, a Moroccan dress, and they gave us sweets and they talked in, in their Moroccan dialect. You know, oh, we really like these girls. You're so funny. You're so pretty. We liked your show. And they became friends with my aunt. Till now, they're still in contact with her. These memories and Bilkis's early experiences means she can really feel the difference between then and this year's Hajj. To put into context the difference, the average number of pilgrims who attend the Hajj in most years is 2.5 million. The number of people in attendance this year is in the low thousands. 
The impact of this on the people inside Makkah is tangible. Bilqi says that Makkans who help facilitate the Hajj, who act as hosts, welcoming the people into the city, are sad. Because for the people of Makkah, Hajj is not just an economical chance or, or an opportunity to work and get extra money. No, it's an opportunity, a spiritual, great opportunity to serve these people, to serve the guests of Allah. Hosting or helping the pilgrims is considered an honor. The service not just to those performing the Hajj, but a service to God as well. It is considered by many as an opportunity to experience and learn on a spiritual level. Dr. Rukaya Kamal started volunteering in her early 20s. She says once she began, it became addictive. Hajj is the greatest school of life. You learn to give your best despite the heat exhaustion, the long hours of walking and even despite the language barrier. I planned my life to be free during Hajj, but unfortunately, I'm going to miss this valuable lesson this year. Everyone who volunteers in Hajj feels unhappy once the season is over. It's a significant drop in productivity from intense days to normal days. The Hajj did not start yet, but I'm already feeling down. I hope everything will return to normal or better next year. But this change had to take place. By the time of the Hajj, the coronavirus has infected over 16 million people worldwide. And this has been despite all the travel restrictions, the face masks, and the lockdowns. Muhammad, the Hajj guide, talks about the weight of the decision that was made by the Saudi authorities. People spend a lot of money on, in Hajj. So it's going to you know, affect them economically, not just the government, but if you think about all of the businesses in Makkah, Medina, in Jeddah, that um, provide Hajj services, every single one of them is, is going to lose a lot of money this year. And, and all the Hajj operators around the world. So it is a big decision globally for everybody in the industry, but especially the Saudis. So I, I, I don't think the Saudis have taken the decision lightly that, you know, let's just cancel it. I think they've seriously um, been advised and, and have understood that. Can you imagine, though, if, like, um, if they allowed half a million people and then there was one outbreak and then every single person from that went back to their country. So every single country in the world would probably get reinfected. But this is not the first time the fear of transmission of disease has impacted Hajj. In 2009, concerns over swine flu cast a shadow on that year's Hajj. Some pilgrims died from the disease and restrictions were put in place, including screening for flu-like symptoms at Jeddah airport, distribution of hygiene kits, and an advice for pregnant women, children, and elderly worshippers to stay at home. The final death toll of the swine flu epidemic was a fraction of that of COVID-19 with under 20,000 deaths compared to over 600,000 for the coronavirus so far. The restrictions this time are far more serious. Here is Wilkis describing the procedures in place. Saudi's number one priority for this year Hajj is the safety of everyone, especially the pilgrims. So uh, first of all, I talked with the Ministry of Health, the official spokesperson in Mecca, and he explained to me that the procedure for this year, Hajj, health-wise, is divided into three stages. The first stage is prior to the actual ritual starting date, which is on the 8th of the Hijjah. That is the 8th of Zilhajjah, the final month of the Islamic lunar calendar and the month of the pilgrimage. Here is Bilqis again. 
then during Hajj, then after the ritual finishes. So before the actual day starts, those who got selected, they were in isolation in their homes and then they arrived to Mecca on the 4th of the Hijjah and they are isolating in a hotel and they provided for them electronic bracelet to make sure that they don't leave their accommodation. And all of them have been tested for COVID-19 and uh, they must, of course, test it uh, negative. And only those between the age of 20 to 60 are participating in the Hajj this year. No one younger or older uh, is allowed to participate. And then during the rituals from the 8th of the Hijjah with the Hajj journey from Mina to Arafat to Muzdalifah, then back to Mina, they are divided into small groups, so there is no crowds. And with every small number of group, there will be uh, a medical leader. This have never happened before in Hajj that they they started this year. This medical leader to stay with them twenty four seven, so he can observe them and uh, and guide them with the health instructions. And in case any of them shows any. Um, symptoms he's going to be isolated and tested also they made uh, they prepared a lot of hospitals and 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 mobile uh, mobile clinics for the pilgrims and for their safety then after the hajj ritual finish after the hajj ritual finishes all of the pilgrims they're still going to go into another isolation to make sure that they're safe before they return back to their families. But even with a small number of pilgrims this year, a fraction of what they usually are, the Saudi officials are making sure they guide the visitors about the do's and don'ts on the Hajj during the COVID pandemic. So in terms of, of letting the Hajjis know the exact procedure for their safety, actually the Ministry of Health with the Ministry of Hajj are organizing today an online session for all the Hajjis to provide them with all the guidelines for their safety. And since their arrival to Mecca, they gave instructions for them and are giving them awareness of what they should do, which what they should not do from washing their hands, from keeping their masks all the time with them and wearing it, from uh, maintaining physical distance between each other and other stuff. And also here in Mecca, we see the spread of uh, police officers all, all over Mecca, especially at the entrance of the holy sites like Arafat, Mina, and Muzdalifa. From now, no one is allowed to go there without a permit from now because they're uh, sanitizing it and they're preparing it and they want to make sure no one get the chance to stay there before the pilgrims arrive. The permits Bilkis is talking about have been given to all the pilgrims who applied to do the Hajj and were granted permission. In the days leading up to Hajj, 16 people were fined for entering the restricted holy sites in Mecca without a valid permit. The perpetrators were fined 10,000 Saudi rials each, the equivalent of over 2,500 US dollars. The numbers need to be limited, as a lot of the rituals undertaken during the holy pilgrimage involve being in close proximity with other people. For example, Rami al-Jamarat, otherwise known as the stoning of the devil, involves pilgrims heading towards three large walls in huge congregations to throw pebbles at them. This year, the Hajj officials have to make sure the pilgrims stone the devil while adhering to social distancing. Another such instance is Hajra al-Aswad, a black stone inscribed in one of the corners of Kaaba. Many Muslims kiss this stone as a tradition to emulate the Prophet 
who is recorded as having done the same. And lastly, and most obviously, the tawaf, where pilgrims circle the Kaaba. The image of thousands of Muslims encircling the black cube inside the holy mosque, shoulder to shoulder, crammed against their fellow Muslims, is perhaps for many the essence of the Hajj. So the Ministry of Hajj, with the Ministry of Health and other uh, officials, they said that they are going to instruct all the groups that they're not going to walk at the same time to make sure that there's always maintaining physical distance. They're not all going to throw a stone the devil at the same time uh, to keep their safety. Also, in regards, this will apply also to Tawaf. And they announced that no one is going to be allowed to kiss or touch Al-Hajra Aswad, the black stone in the Holy Mosque, for everyone's safety. People's safety is understandably the priority in these unprecedented times. But although most people have never had such a limited Hajj in their lifetimes, there have been other examples of limited Hajj. We spoke to Dr. Adnan Al-Sharif, Professor of History and Islamic Civilization at Umm Al-Qura University in Mecca. He told us about the Hajj predating Islam and how pagans carried out the ritual before the Prophet established the Islamic Hajj. Hajj is just about the oldest ritual humankind has known. It is a very old ritual. We have got data and indications chronicled by Arabs, and we also have existing texts in some classic sources suggesting the existence of Hajj phenomena throughout history. Rather, this concept is even prevalent in other faiths, even in paganism. References in our Arabic sources reveal that Hajj existed since the time of Adam, peace be upon him. Events also took place after the Islamic era, for example, the battle between Abdullah bin Zubair and the Umayyads in Mecca. There are no indications that Hajj was halted, but the official Hajj may have stopped. Nevertheless, people generally still performed Hajj. When the Karmatians invaded Mecca and took the black stone and kept it with them for more than 22 years, during that time, the official Hajj had stopped. No national flag was raised. However, Hajj was performed by individuals on their own. These events have happened throughout history. Conflicts, political disputes and disease have caused Hajj to be disrupted on many occasions throughout history. But Dr. Al-Shari believes that although the Hajj may have been stopped in an official capacity, Individuals always still undertook the pilgrimage, despite the difficulties. So only a few people perform Hajj during troubled times, during the unrest, during rain, floods and snow, or anything similar which affect their movement and journey to reach Mecca. These different circumstances lead to reduced numbers of pilgrims. But Hajj hasn't stopped. In 1352, the Hajj season saw the spread of the cholera epidemic, which impacted it, but Hajj was still in effect. Many pilgrims, of course, have died. 
And this happens in famine, in epidemics. This happened in history, and government states of different eras interfered to try to protect pilgrims during Hajj as much as they could at the time. As the shadow of coronavirus still looms large over the world, Makkah shows that it can adapt as it always has. The eagerness of completing one of the essential pillars of the Islamic faith will mean there will always be people keen to partake in the ritual despite the challenges, in this case, the unrelenting virus. In such circumstances, it is the duty of the custodians of Makkah to ensure the safety of the pilgrims. 2020 will indeed be a strange year for those used to Hajj at full capacity. But Makkans and those who have dedicated themselves to helping the pilgrims console themselves with the hope that they will soon return to hosting the millions that visit the holy site in search of spiritual enrichment. Well, that day, when I was on my way to home, we decided to drive through the area around the, the Holy Mosque. And when I saw the streets empty and there are not a single soul walking, towers and hotels were abundant and all the doors were closed and the lights were turned off. I didn't know, but for a moment, I found my eyes welled up with tears. It's indescribable feeling, honestly speaking. Because, you know, at this time, every year, we used to see people and pilgrims from all over the world, seeing different culture with their traditional costumes, their own clothes in local markets, foods, languages, and seeing the crowd, buses and cars everywhere. This is very uh, colorful picture and full of life. It's just beautiful. And, you know, it's it also just like, if you are used to have guests every year at the same time and in the same place, <laughs> since I open my eyes, I'm seeing them. Seeing this beautiful, beautiful picture and living it every year. And now... Just all of a sudden, I won't have it this year. It's just weird. And I feel like I'm sad and missing something precious and a real privilege. Also, for us as being um, part of Makkah community, we have the privilege to serve the pilgrims in every way you can imagine. And... Personally, I have a lot of memories and stories during a Hajj season, especially with my beloved dad. He passed away two years ago, and this month, Al Hajj um, was very important and valuable time for him. Um, that's why this year I'm. Um, I'm missing those days so badly. That was Dr. Yusra Abdullah, who volunteers every year during the Hajj. Thanks this week to all our guests. This is Beyond Headlines. If you have time, please leave us a review. Subscribe to the program by tapping the subscribe button on your podcast app. We were produced this week by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Sohi Lakram. Thanks for listening and Eid Mubarak.